Greetings. You're listening to the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Whether you're a grizzled old salt, pining for the days of wire rope halyards, or a greenhorn, wondering what the hell a dolphin striker is, this is the podcast that seeks to fill the need for everybody's third most favorite pastime. That is, talking about sailing. Alrighty, folks. If you're listening to this in real time, it is July 1st, 2019. Hopefully everyone has some fun plans for the 4th of July. If you're in the States... Uh, and actually, there's a growing number of you who are listening in from all over the place, uh, which is very cool and flattering. Uh, so shout out to the Canadians, Australians, the Brits, followed closely by the Norwegians, the Swedes, Spanish, the Danes, the Finns, and the Kiwis. The Irish, now you guys are lagging a bit behind. The Dutch and the Argentinians, you got to spread the word. Um, help it ginger out here. I know uh, everyone in the U.S. claims Irish ancestry, but in my case, it is undeniable. Uh, at any rate, all jest aside and apologies to the citizens of the many countries uh, that I haven't mentioned, it's really cool to see people listening in and uh, and I very much appreciate it. Uh, I hope you continue to find it interesting or at the very least tolerable. Uh, and today I have for you an interview which I found to be very interesting. I spoke with Chesapeake sailor Jason Jernigan who recently returned from sailing a Delmarva loop and is preparing for a global circumnavigation aboard his Alberg 30 Laura. For those of you who won't be celebrating the 4th of July, uh, the Delmarva Peninsula is the long finger of land that separates Chesapeake Bay from the Atlantic Ocean along the Chesapeake's eastern shore, uh, and it is made up of three states, uh, Delaware and the eastern shores of Virginia and Maryland, thus Delmarva. And you can circumnavigate it by leaving the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay at Cape Charles and Cape Henry, uh, head north off the eastern shore up through Delaware Bay, and then re-enter the Chesapeake at the northern end through the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. So Jason made this trip as a sort of shakedown cruise, and we get into the details of his boat, which is a very cool Alberg 30 that has been updated by James Baldwin. We talk about his early sailing days aboard his dad's West Sail 32 from the east coast of the U.S. down to the Caribbean, and we talk about his preparations for his upcoming voyage. Uh, Jason offers some great insight into the, the final push to get a small boat ready for ocean voyaging and some reflections on his experiences up to this point. And you can find Jason on Facebook at Jason's Sailing Adventures. All right. Without further preamble, I give to you, Mr. Jason Jernigan. Thanks so much for taking the time today. And uh, I'm, I'm interested in talking to you because I guess you recently did... Uh, a Delmarva loop uh, solo abo- aboard your uh, your Alberg 30 Laura, and that's of, of particular interest to me, and, and I suspect um, to a lot of people who listen to the podcast because it's it's kind of like a logical first step towards preparing for longer voyages. And I, I think there's a lot of people who who listen who uh, who are kind of in that phase of, of starting to think about it. Um, so I thought we could start by maybe just giving us kind of a brief overview of uh, of what you've been up to uh, sailing wise. Sure. So, so I started sailing young, um, same time my dad started sailing. I think I was seven years old and then, um, grew up sailing on Hobie cats and things like that, got into windsurfing. And then out of college, um, my dad retired from the government and 
called me up after I'd been at my first job for two weeks and said, I'm going to Florida to buy a boat. I need your help to bring it back. This was in January. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, how long is it going to take? He said, I don't know, two weeks. So I got my new job to give me two weeks off. And I went to Florida with my dad to to buy a West Sail 32. Cool. And uh, we bought the West Sail. We looked at each other in Florida at the end of January and said, it's really cold on the Chesapeake in February. So we decided to go to the Bahamas for a couple of months, and then we brought that boat up in April of that year. Um, and then I went cruising with my dad um, on that boat um, through the Caribbean. It's been about three years total. Um, by the time we bought the boat, got it fixed up, went back to Florida, and then went to the U.S. Virgin Islands, Venezuela, Bonaire, Jamaica, Cayman Islands, and then home. Um and so that, so I, I'm a little bit different of a cruiser in that I've gone and done it before, and then I came back and worked for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's that's really neat that you got to uh, do that with your with your dad too. That sounds like a like a good time. It was. It was a great time. Um, and you know, and so I've wanted to go back and and do some sailing, and and I actually at the time wanted to do a circumnavigation, and and we weren't quite ready. Um, my dad ended up soloing the West Sail 32 for a number of years after I decided I should probably go back and get a job and a career if I'm ever going to have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did that. And then last year, I bought Laura. Um, and Laura is a James Baldwin refurbished boat. It was refurbished for two owners before me. But the owner before me was a, a Russian real estate broker that James had consulted with and helped take the boat from Boston back to Georgia, where, where James is. And um, so I bought it last May and sailed it home with my brother and the two of us a, a week offshore um, the whole way. And the boat's great. I couldn't ask for a better boat. Yeah, so... Um, so the Delmarva circumnavigation was um, is me preparing for longer trips, exactly as you kind of mentioned. Um, I'm preparing for a global circumnavigation, um, leaving hopefully in November, October, November timeframe. Cool. No, that's uh, that's great. That's really exciting. And uh, and I know I, th- I think I saw some of your stuff on Facebook, and I, I recognized that uh, that out that tilt up outboard in the well. It, it was distinctive. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so maybe you could talk about the boat a little bit. Um, what you know, what were you looking for when you started looking for boats, and what drew you to the Alberg Thirty? Um, and you know, was that uh, what kind of work has, has James done on the boat um, to make it to make it more suitable for what what you have in mind? Sure. Um, so when I was looking for a boat, you know, I, I had a number of years sailing a West Sail 32, and, and I love the West Sail. It's a great boat. I'd recommend it to, to new sailors that want to go long distance offshore. It's perfect for that. Um, it isn't the fastest boat by any stretch, um, and it doesn't go to windward quite as well as some other boats do, but it's certainly a safe boat. And so after having sailed that, um, and by the way, when we went to the Caribbean the first time on the boat, um, on the West Sail, we had a diesel overheat as we left Cape Canaveral, Florida, and it never really ran right after that. So we <laughs> we mostly sailed. It would run at idle so we could charge batteries and stuff like that, and it'd run for maybe five, ten minutes at a, at a little bit higher than idle to get us into 
to motor us into places and stuff like that. But um, for the most part, we sailed it everywhere we went. Um, and so I wanted a boat that was good at sailing. I wanted one that was that would get, sail well in light winds um, as well as handle you know the heavier stuff. And I wasn't actually looking for an Alberg 30. Um, I was looking at a lot of boats. But um, I found this one on, on James's website. And, uh, and, and the one thing I kind of learned about boats with my dad's, and, and he bought his pretty well outfitted and ready to go. We didn't have a lot of work to do to it. Um, but is that I'm much better at sailing than I am at fixing boats. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, so I wanted a boat that was pretty much ready to go. Um, and, and this boat, James having reworked it, um, he, he reworked it, I think, between 2012 and 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was for a guy up in Boston. And I think it was shipped to Bo It was trailered up to Boston. And that guy kept it for two years. I don't think he did any long-distance trips with it. From the looks of it, I don't think he sailed it a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good thing for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great for me. And then, so like I said, James was consulting with this Russian real estate broker when that guy wanted to sell it. And so James, this Russian real estate guy brought it, and James helped him bring it to Georgia. And that guy, I think, sailed it for a month just kind of um, around um, Brunswick, Georgia down there. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then went back to Russia, and I think James basically looked after the boat for two years for the guy before he decided to sell it. Gotcha. And so, but during the refit, James, he calls it, what does he call it? It's his, oh, I forgot. I'll have to look at his website. He's got a name that he calls it, his adventure boats or his expedition boats. Uh, or, yeah, like the, the, full, the full suite of upgrades. The full suite of upgrades, yeah, exactly. And so... Um, there's a couple videos on YouTube of, of the refit of my boat. Um, but he basically, you know, he took all the deck hardware off. He took all the wood off, all the teak, um, put all new teak on it. He cut out the V-berth. Um, I guess an Alberg originally has a 15-gallon water tank in the V-berth. Mm -hmm. He completely cut out the V-berth, rebuilt it with a 50-gallon water tank up forward now. Um couple of watertight lockers uh, on either side and, and in the process kind of raised the V-berth up a little bit. Same types of things that he did to his boat, Adam. And uh, let's see, moving back, he put a composting head in it. Um, the interior is all, uh, what are they, is it like the Hershoff interior where it's all white painted with um, the teak or mahogany trim? Yeah, yeah, cool. That's nice, yeah. Yeah, it really brightens up the interior of the boat. Um, he, he put all LED lighting in it, um, inside and out. Um, he redid, when he had all the teak off the outside, he redid the whole hull-to-deck joint. Cool, so, yeah. Yeah, every nut and bolt, and it's been completely redone. So far, knock on wood, the boat does not leak a drop. That's anywhere. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and and so it sounds like so it's it sounds like it's you know it's it's pretty much a, a ready to go boat. I mean, is there anything that you are are going to have to do to get ready or or have had to do to get ready? Yeah, there's not much I had to do to get ready. I think I well to tell you, I, I when I bought the boat, I bought it in Brunswick, Georgia. I sailed it once and then took off with my brother and I to sail it home 700 miles. <laughs> yeah. 
right? <laughs> Nonstop, you know? So, so that gives you an idea. There's not too many boats I, I've ever met that, that I think I would jump on. and. Yeah, you, you can get away with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't much I had to do. I've done a few things to it. Um, I just this past weekend installed an AIS transceiver. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Um, yeah, I figured by being solo, I'd like to be seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I upgraded the solar a little bit um, and put an MPPT controller on it, mm-hmm. um, put a battery monitor on it, um, installed lithium iron phosphate batteries in it. Oh, cool. Okay. What do you, what do you think of those? Oh, I love them. They're really nice. I'm still kind of getting used to them and and and, under, and getting kind of the battery monitor tuned for them and stuff. Yeah. And is that all charged through just just solar? Is that it? Just solar. 110 watts of solar. 255 watt panels is all I have. Gotcha. And that's and that's got enough juice to kind of keep everything running. Well, that depends on what I run. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on my my circuit my Delmarva circumnavigation a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to find out how everything worked. And so I purposely probably used more power than I needed to, but I kept the GPS running for the entire trip. Mm -hmm. I kept a small Ingle fridge running for the entire trip. And I'd say I probably was down after a week. I was probably down. I have 300 amp hours total. So 240 amp hours usable on my things And I was down about a hundred amp hours. Gotcha after a week. So I won't be able to do that kind of long term. It was kind of a cloudy week too. I had some rainy, cloudy days mm-hmm. that didn't have much power. But uh I'm I'm pretty convinced I with what I've got I won't be able to run the fridge full time. Um but I also don't necessarily need to run the GPS full time. Right. So, right. Cool. Um, well that sounds that sounds pretty pretty sweet. Um what about um what about self steering on the boat? What kind of uh setup do you have for that? Yeah, so the boat has a Norvane um wind vane on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that offshore does all my steering and, and it, it's pretty amazing little device. It, um, it surprises me all the time at how light it winds and, and that it, how well it steers even kind of downwind when there's almost no apparent wind. Um, it takes a lot of kind of balancing the boat and getting the boat right for it to, to do well when it's in really kind of light conditions. Um, Sailing with James, he was pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine you could pick up some, 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 all kinds of stuff. Um, is it sensitive to like? Because I know, so we have a pier scenario, and I know she carries a lot of weather helm with with any kind of like mainsail. I, 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 a lot of times, I'll sail with a reef in the main just to kind of balance the helm. Is that is that the same on the Alberg, and does that affect the the self steering much? It does. You know, the better the balanced the boat, the better the self steering does. And so, similar to you, I'm, I, I'll carry a reef in the main if uh, if I'm getting too much weather helm. Um, the Alberg, though, if if you set the sails up right on a close haul, it'll almost sail itself without the wind vane. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know I, I can if if I let if I ease the main sheet out a little bit and just let it luff, it'll just kind of like she'll just kind of charge along for a while. <laughs> right, right. So, so the other thing, neat thing that I wanted to tell you about buying Laura um, was was the whole process, you know, it was on James's site. And so I talked to James, which, which, you know, he was kind of a, a, a hero of mine, right? I've read his books. Yeah, for sure. Like same, that. same here. Yeah. And, um, but the neat part was, you know, so I talked to him and arranged to come down. I made, I don't know, I made how many trips I made down during the process of buying the boat. But, um, but on the first time I came down to see the boat, he asked me you know, after I'd seen the boat, he's like, do you have a hotel? And I said, no. And he said, oh, well, you can spend the night on Adam if you want. 
<laughs> That's so, cool. So twice during the process, I ended up spending the night on, on Adam and, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. And I've, I've actually told this story on the podcast before, but um, my wife and I went down the ICW a few years back, and I had read James's books, and I, I think I'd seen some of his internet videos, but we pull up in Brunswick, and uh, or actually it was uh, St. Simon's, I right. guess. And uh, you know we go ashore to do laundry and stuff, and this guy with his big sun hat comes up, and he's kind of asking me about the boat, and I was telling him, and he says, oh, I just I just finished my boat after you know 20 years. I, says, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's pretty cool, you know? Uh, and he says, yeah, come check it out. It's a Pearson Triton. And his voice kind of started sounding a little, fam- a little familiar. And, he, you know, we walk up to Adam. I was like, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> You're James Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> That's so it, was, awesome. it was very cool, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then, so when I bought mine, um, they were sitting side by side. Yeah. Uh, Laura and Adam. And, uh, and it was hard to, I mean, they're almost identical. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Great, great boats. It's, really, it's neat. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I did I, one other question about the boat, actually. Um, what did you think of the outboard in the well in terms of, uh, did you get much water up in the, in the well when you were offshore? Did it seem to, seem, that all seemed to work all right? Um, so I didn't really notice any water in there. Um, I've got the plates, you know, that slide across mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I don't use them most of the time. Um, if I'm offshore, like the trip up from Georgia, I used them because, you know, I knew when I put the motor up, um, pulling out of the inlet down there that, uh, but I wasn't planning on using it until I had to, or, uh, you know, I was up in the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. Um, so I put it, the slides over for that trip. Um, but no, I don't notice, I mean, you get a little bit of water in there, um, but it's completely sealed. So it, it's, there's a watertight bulkhead right. uh, in front of it. And so any water that gets in there just runs right back out. And do you have do you, what do you have a six or a nine eight in the back there? I have a six. And do you th- and is that enough? Does that have enough ass to kind of get you where you need to go? So it depends. I think it really <laughs> depends on the on the the person and and how you use a sailboat. Yeah. Um, when I went down to visit James, first thing he asked me, he said, um, "You know, this boat's meant to sail, right? Not motor." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Yep, that's why I'm looking at it." Um, so performance on it, and, and the one concern that I have is that, you know, I'm planning a global circumnavigation, and to get through the Panama Canal, you need to do five knots. Yeah, yeah. You can't do five knots, they won't let you through. Um, and if you try to get through and can't do five knots, they find you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I'm like, okay. Um, so it will motor in calm conditions when it's loaded down, Um at five two, five three, yeah, yeah, uh, knots like that. I t- took it out this uh, spring when I first commissioned the boat. This spring and didn't have anything on it, didn't have it loaded down, and it would only do four seven. And uh, I was a little concerned. I was like, um, "What happened?" But as I've added stuff back to it, I guess the waterline length is increasing. Oh, that's interesting. That that actually less weight. Yeah, that's. I I wouldn't have guessed that would have. I would have guessed that the weight would have been the more significant factor. But that, that's interesting. Yeah, I I would have guessed that too. And so it, it had me a little worried this spring. I was like, um, I'm not sure it's going to do five knots. Um, but I'm pretty confident now because, like I said, the more weight I add to it, um, seems to be the higher it goes. Cool. Um, I guess but, so, I guess if you got really in a pinch, you could just heal the boat over and and. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the um, but you know, 
that's in calm weather. It, right. It's meant to motor into head seas and things like that. Um, if you wanted to do that, I'd recommend you have the nine, nine or nine, eight. And James offered to, to convert it to that for me, but I wasn't really interested in that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, and like I said, the, the, the big reason I wanted to speak to you was, was this Delmarva, uh, loop that you did. Um, so what was, uh, what was your route when you, uh, as you came down the bay and then I guess you left from Cape Charles, is that where you left it from to go out, go out and around? Yeah, that was, so, so I left out of Galesville on, on a Saturday. Um, and as I was pulling out of the West river, um, it was really blowing. And so I looked at the Thomas point light, which I go right by on my way out and it had gusts to 37 knots. That's, pl- that's a lot of wind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, I knew it was a lot of wind. And so I was triple reefed in the storm jib. And even that was a little much um, at the mouth of the river where it was really, you know, and it was probably blowing th- a good 30, 35 steady. It was just mm-hmm. 37 or whatever. Um, but by the time I, I, and I was making for Solomon's Island, Maryland. Yep. And um, by the time I got to Solomon's Island, I was becalmed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I motored into Solomon's Island that night, and uh, um, and then the next day I was no wind, and I really don't like to motor the boat. I, I really prefer to sail, and and but I'm still working, and in order to uh, to do the Delmarva Loop in a week, I had to make time. Yeah, yeah, and so I ended up motoring from Solomon's to Reedville. Oh, okay. Cool. What do you think of Re- what do you think of Reedville? Reedville was cool, you know. Um, I used to, in between sailing with my dad and and buying this boat, I had a fishing boat for a number of years um, that I kept over in Maryland. And so, the Omega, Omega Protein has kind of a an infamous reputation amongst <laughs> fishermen. I'm uh, I'm familiar with them, <laughs> <laughs> but they're pretty impressive. It's an impressive fleet. It, I had no idea they had so many ships. It really is. The first time I, I went in there, you know, cause you're used to the Chesapeake Bay and, and you see like the, the dead rise work boats. And then you see these like 180 foot, like factory ships. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and their, their purse sane boats I think are bigger than my boat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, exactly they, yeah, the, the dinghies. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's it is impressive. It's a, it's a it's a big operation. Yeah. Um, so that was cool, and I left out of there pretty early the next morning, um, and made my way to Kip the Peak State Park. Cool. Yeah, I've never been over there. What uh, what was that like? So that that's kind of neat. And actually, the reason one of the reasons I went there was that um, if you've ever read Lynn and Larry Parday, mm-hmm. um, one of their stories is is out of there. Yeah, they, I think they, didn't they ride out a hurricane there or something? I think so, although something I'm like a little that. shocked after going there that they really rode out a hurricane there, or it's changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was not very protected. Um, and the ships were cool, and when I got there, the winds were, were out of the east, um, so you know I was in the lee of the land, but they were. I knew they were going to clock and come around to um, the southwest overnight. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to hide, you know, where I thought southwest winds would come from, hide behind the target ships. Well, I didn't do such a great job. And so at 3.30 that morning, I, I wake up to the boat kind of starting to bounce and, uh, and go on deck to, I don't know, 12 knots or 15 knots out of the southwest and no protection in front of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so 
<laughs> it was time to go then. Um, and so I, I sailed out and uh, actually went, no, it's the first time I've ever done this, but I sailed under the bridge of the Bay Bridge Tunnel. Oh, cool. On the, on the, yeah, on the eastern shore side. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. And, at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, I'm looking at that bridge and going, I think it's tall enough. And I'm looking at the chart. <laughs> but, but it was. It was 70 feet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then so... Um, and, and the reason I, the whole reason for the trip was that I wanted to go spend a couple of days in the ocean by myself, solo on the boat, and, and get used to trying to sleep 20 minutes at a time overnight and, and see how that all worked. And so the trip was good for that. I, I left really early that first morning and sailed out, and I got about 35 miles offshore. And I hear this really loud boat, and I look behind me, and there's this big white boat kind of heading in the same direction, but not right at me. And then as it gets closer, it turns and heads right at me. And I'm like, that's interesting. Um, and so when it gets, you know, half a mile off and it's still heading at me, I'm like going down to the AIS and starting to look and go, what is this? At the same, And about that time, the Coast Guard calls. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they sent a boat to, to board me. Um, out there, everything checked out. Guys were pretty nice. I was, I was kind of shocked to be ported 35 miles at sea. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Did they? And you, but all your all, all your gear was in order and everything. You were good. Yeah, yeah, everything checked out. They thought they had me when I showed them my first set of flares because they were expired. <laughs> but, but but I reached in. And I was like, oh no, I got more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's on my to do list actually. I, I, <laughs> flares. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one I always love is when I'm solo. Is they go, do you have a throwable device? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, yeah, but I'm not going to be able to throw it to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but no, but they were nice guys, and uh, I don't think they'd ever boarded a sailboat before. Yeah, especially uh, a, a relatively small one offshore. I'm sure it was interesting for them. Yeah, yeah, they probably thought I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what uh, what kind of weather were you looking for when uh, as you were kind of getting ready? Um, you know. I was pretty much going to take what I got, provided that I wasn't looking at gales, mm -hmm. um, simply because I, I kind of need to test the boat and get used to sailing it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I ended up with pretty light winds the whole way, or at least offshore. Um, I used my... I, so, James, when he built the boat, he put a small bowsprit on it designed to put a, like a a code zero or a jib top type mm -hmm. cool. free flying yeah. jib on it. And so that's one of the other additions I did this year. I bought a code zero for it. And I used that sail a whole lot more on that trip than I ever expected I would. And how, um, uh, how big of a sail is that? It's about 160%. And is it is it nylon? Uh, it is. It's a four ounce um, nylon uh, or like a ripstop. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's heavier than a spinnaker. Um, and it's meant to, to be able to sail essentially close hauled or close reach with it. And, and that's really kind of that, the Genoa and the storm jib are what I'm planning on, all I'm planning on taking with me when I sail around the world. So I, I expect to use it for, for downwind, pulling it out and things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And so do you have, actually, I, and I wanted to ask you about your downwind setup. Um, so do you have an adjustable pole for, for the different head sails? Or? I do, yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. It's a really nice pole, though. It came with the boat. And cool. It's mounted on the mast, and 
and that kind of stuff. So it's it's pretty easy. I've used I used it quite a bit, um, and I like it. I actually at one point on the trip offshore when I made the turn from the Washington Canyon to head to the Delaware, um, it was dead downwind, and so I had the big Code Zero pulled out, and the, and the main prevented out on the other side. Cool. Yeah, that's something I'm I'm trying to get. My, um a pole set up on, on my boat for the, for this year. And, uh, so that's, that's been something I've been working on. Is it, is the, um, so is it, is it adjustable? Can you like raise it up and down on the, on the forward end of the mast? Um, that parts, it is adjustable, but manually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it's not on like a block and tackle. Right. Or right. Like um, and, and I don't adjust that much. So do you find like between the different sails, it doesn't really require a whole lot of fiddling in terms of like to get that angle, right? Um, yeah, it's not so bad. I mean, I think for the code zero, I have it set about right right now. Um, for the Genoa, it probably angles down a little bit, but I don't know if that's a bad thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I had, I didn't spring for the track. I just put an eye on it. So I'm hoping it's, you know, close enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you'll be fine. Cool. Cool. So what was um so it sounds like you know between this uh, the trip up from Georgia and and this Delmarva trip you've had you've had some some hours logged on the boat what's um what's the overall impression I mean are you feeling pretty confident about uh, your your future plans Yeah no I, I I'm I'm very happy with the boat I, I like I'm still tickled pink that that I ended up with a James Baldwin boat Yeah um you know I have an idea of what it cost and I would have never been able to afford the boat if I tried to go through the method of taking one to them and, uh, and having it done. So I feel pretty lucky that I found what I did. When yeah. I did. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the boat. It's, um, like I said, so far, not a drop of water below decks anywhere. And, and it sails, it sails really well. It kind of surprises me how well it sails in light winds and stuff like that. Cool. Um, cool. And, 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 from coming out of these trips, you mentioned kind of the the solo aspect and, and trying to kind of get all of that figured out. Um, how did how did the sleep work? Um, how did the you know handling the boat by yourself? Did that all kind of feel like you got a handle on that? Yeah, so so handling the boat, I've always been pretty comfortable with doing it by myself. And then the sleep that that first night, I think because I'd gotten such an early start, um, it was a long day. I didn't sleep, didn't take any naps during the day, which I probably should have. Um, but that first night was brutal sleeping 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll bet. It was also, I didn't see a thing all night. So, so I think that might've been part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're kind of getting up every 20 minutes and you're looking around and then by the time, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning runs around, you're going, I haven't seen anything, <laughs> yeah. but I still was getting up and doing it. Um, just being on the East coast, you know, you don't know how much shipping is out there and yeah, stuff. For sure. And, um, and I actually did see a fishing boat like six o'clock in the morning, um, the AIS alarm went off and, and they, they crossed my bow not too far off. But, um, and that was the only thing I think I saw the first night. And then the, uh, the second night went much, much better, but I, I was heading into Delaware and there was a lot of shipping traffic. Uh-huh. And that was, that was also kind of interesting getting to the Delaware. You know, I, I didn't motor at all in the ocean, at least until I got within about three miles of the, um, Delaware Bay, but I showed up at the Delaware Bay at, uh, just as the tide was starting to run out and, uh, tried to sail into the bay and 
got to a point that I watched the marker and I sailed by it once, twice, times. <laughs> <laughs> same marker, and I'm like, okay. And then started it started going away from me. I couldn't even keep up to it. And so I actually ended up sailing over to, to one of the shoals there, the um, I think it's Cape Penelope in there, mm-hmm. um, and, and threw the anchor down just out in the Atlantic in the swell. Yeah, yeah, wow. And uh, waited for the tide to turn. So I had about six hours of rocking and rolling out there waiting for the tide to turn. And it was pretty funny because the tide was running so fast that, you know, my boat's throwing a wake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I waited till that afternoon when the tide turned and then sailed in and went to Lewes, Delaware. For uh, That was the first place I had to stop for gas with all the motoring down down the bay. I didn't think I'd have enough to, to motor myself through the uh, through the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so and then so it sounds like it, you mentioned the um, the AIS uh, alarm. So you have you have a you put on an AIS transceiver. So is, is that all going to like an iPad or what's that setup look like? So the transceiver is new as of last weekend. So mm-hmm. I didn't. Oh, have okay, it gotcha for the trip. But um, but I've got a a um, VHF radio the boat. The VHF radio that the boat came with had a AIS receiver on it. Gotcha. Oh, okay. And so that's what I was using. Um, the new AIS transceiver, it's a um, a Vesper 8000, I think is the series. But um, it has a, a Wi-Fi network. And so I can connect my my iPhone to it. Gotcha, and 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 will and that will will that pull up um, incoming AIS targets as well, or is that just yes? Cool. Yes. So you could, exactly. okay, that's 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 cool. And then you mentioned uh, traffic coming into the Delaware. What about coming down the Chesapeake Bay? Because one thing I've been considering is trying to do overnights on the bay. But you know, the one thing I'm nervous about is is the amount of traffic on the bay at night. I mean, any any kind of feeling on that? Yeah. So when when we brought the boat back up. Originally, we came up the bay, and and it was pretty funny. I, you know, you're never supposed to to have a deadline when when you're sailing a boat long distance like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was a really good friend of ours um, had like front row seats to the Stanley Cup. Uh-huh. And so as I'm leaving to go pick the boat up, they're like, "Hey, you guys are invited Saturday night." You know, um, to the like, was it the third game or fourth game of? Um, the third game of the Stanley cup, the year the caps won. And, um, so I was in a little bit of a hurry. If I could make it home in time, I had awesome tickets to, to capitals game. Cool. Cool. Um, so we ended up motoring all night, um, on the very last night to get home. And, um, with two of us, it wasn't too bad. I wouldn't try to do it solo yeah. up in the bay just cause you can't sleep at all. Yeah. Right? Unless you, you, you know, ready to stay up all night and, and and that kind of stuff. But, um, but there's not a lot of traffic to be honest on the bay. Um, you know, I, when I go out on the weekends and stuff, I see maybe two or three ships all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my impression kind of on the Southern part of the bay, mostly maybe a few more than that, but not, not much. Right. Right. And so, so as far as the traffic, I think it's almost a, a non-factor, and they stay pretty much in their shipping channel. So yeah, I, think, long... I don't think they have a whole lot of wiggle room. <laughs> right, right. There, there's a lot of rest of the bay, um, and, and that's the one thing you know. If I'm not motoring, that I really like about 
about my boat is that I don't really worry about crab pots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially you pull the, the outboard up. And, yeah, that's awesome. So now you, this is all kind of running up to a, to a circumnavigation. So what is, um, what's, what's your plan for, for that? That sounds pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. So, so I am, I'm planning on taking a couple of, well, I've quit my job as of September. Awesome. And, um, I gave him a year's notice and, uh, yeah. So I've decided to sail around the world and, um, my plan is to leave in November as soon as hurricane season is kind of winding down. And I've mapped out the, um, the course that I'm, at least from the beginning, that I'm going to take. And I've got a rough idea of how all of it's going to work. Uh, but I'm planning on leaving the beginning of November and heading to, to Bermuda. Mm-hmm. And from Bermuda, I've got some friends that I met when I was cruising with my dad that still live in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So I'm going to sail down to St. Thomas and say hi to them. And um, I've got a friend of mine who's going to join me for the trip to Bermuda. So that's the only part of the trip so far that I'm I'm expecting not to be solo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then from once I leave out of the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, my plan is to head straight to the San Blas in, in Panama mm-hmm. um, and spend some time there. And then I hope to go through the canal towards the end of January. I don't want to get to the Marquesas much before April. Um, so that's that's part of that. The um, from Panama to the Marquesas is is probably my biggest kind of worry. It's four thousand miles. Yeah, it's a long way. What do you, um, how long do you think that'll take you? So, you know, I generally figure on about a hundred miles a day mm-hmm. uh, for my boat, and, and it worked well um, on the trip up from Georgia for that. And so it's a pretty good number. But that trip's also crossing the. Um, um, the doldrums of the intertropical convergence zone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figure I should probably add some time for that. So I'm thinking probably 50 days. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, it's a good long while. Yeah, that's a good long while. But um, you know, I follow some some things on YouTube, and there's the there's a guy. What's his name? An old sea dog or something like that. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm familiar with it. Yeah. So he just did that trip this year. And it took him 71 days. Wow. And he's on a bigger boat than I'm on. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess as long as you have enough water, I guess you'll get there eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I am going to carry a water maker, you know, probably a, a manually powered water maker. Gotcha, yeah. Um, just to, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. And what other uh, what other kind of preparations are you making for the trip uh, now? Because I guess you're you really kind of it's it's coming up pretty soon. It is coming up pretty soon. I, I have to say it's I'm starting to get a little nervous. Um, so so other things I changed on the boat when I bought the boat, it originally also had a um, an Origo alcohol single burner. Mm-hmm. Um, I changed it out to be more like James Baldwin's boat um, and and put a, a kerosene. Uh, Primus stove on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think my biggest fear is that I now have to cook all my meals on kerosene. Yeah, <laughs> not the kerosene doesn't bother me. Oh, gets, okay, <laughs> um, but but just the fact that you know I've lived a pretty fast paced life up here, and um, most of my meals, you know, I I go out and buy lunch most days, and 
<laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're going to be spending all this time cooking now. <laughs> so yeah, so that that that's kind of you know I'm like wow I've got to cook every single thing I'm going to eat and the, and, the, <laughs> and all the planning that goes along with that. Right, right. So um, yeah, and and so I've I've spent quite a bit of time kind of thinking about you know what I'm going to eat and how and and I've I've tested out the Web Child's method, which is um, he uh, he likes the freeze dried. Um, like the ast- astronaut food stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> and and I don't think that's quite for me, but but I'll probably carry some of it because it is quick and easy. Yeah, yeah. As as, as amazing as Web Childs is, uh, I'm not sure that anything he does I, <laughs> is something that I would uh, would want to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so other than that, um, I'm busy kind of collecting charts. Um, a lot of people told me, oh, well, you can just trade charts wherever you go. But my problem is that that I'm actually going to do the whole circum. At least I'm planning on doing the whole circumnavigation in 20 months. Okay. Yeah. So you're gonna be, you're gonna be pushing. Yeah. And and so figuring that out, it's you know out of the 20 months, 10 months of it, I will be underway. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so so 50 of the time, I I will be sailing between places. So you're not gonna have a whole lot of time to be bartering charts. Yeah, and so I was a little concerned that um, that bartering charts would would not be where I wanted to spend my time when I was not sailing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so so I'm I'm slowly collecting all the the paper charts that I need. Um, I still need to to figure out what I'm going to do for um, electronic charts. Um, actually, I think I know what I'm going to do. I just still need to I need to buy it. Right. What about um What about weather underway? So. That's interesting, um, you know, and that kind of leads to communications. Yeah, yeah. So, my plan is that I'm going to carry a Garmin InReach device, mm-hmm. and that's like the and that does like text messages and grib files. Is that right? It doesn't do grib files. Okay. At least if it does, I haven't figured it out yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it will give you kind of a text-based three-day weather forecast. Gotcha. I don't know how accurate it is, to be honest. Although it seemed pretty accurate on our trip up from Georgia. But I also, my dad's still here and uh, my brother's still here. So so I may be texting them on occasion and going. Cool. Having some, some live weather support. Yeah. Some live weather support. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of stuff. But um, also, at, you know, my 100 miles a day, I can pick my first three or four days of weather. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah. That I'm going to get what I get and, and and that kind of stuff. So I did install a barometer on the boat. And so I guess what, what, what that brings up heavy weather. So do you have kind of like, what's, what do you think your approach is going to be? So, so I got a little bit of taste of that leaving the, the, um, the West river last, uh, when I did the Delmarva thing, mm-hmm. the 37 knots. And for that, um, the boat has a, has a movable inner force day that goes about seven eighths of the way up the mast. Mm-hmm. It has a place where it sits normally that looks at, makes it look like a little bit of a cutter, but it doesn't. It's just really kind of a holder for it there. And then I move it up to the bow when I'm going to use it. Gotcha. Um, and so I rigged that, um, and it's pretty small. Um, and then the main's got three reefs in it, and so the top of my main, when the third reef is in, is right about the spreaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a lot of sail. Yeah. Um, and we got a little bit of heavy weather when we did the trip up from from Georgia. Um, there was actually it was the first named storm of the year was spinning up in the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, it made me a little nervous as yeah. we were leaving. 
but it it swung an arm uh, an arm of kind of a tropical wave up across us, and we had two days uh, of weather on that trip. Um, it might have blown thirty knots at the most, or something like that. But uh, but still, put plenty of wind. I'm sure you had some some seas. So yeah, yeah. But but she handles great. I mean, as long as you you know set the sails up right, um, she does really well. And so um, my you know. The heavy, really heavy weather. I, I think I'm still learning. Um, I, I saw some with my dad's boat. We saw probably sustained 40 knots plus off of Hatteras the first time we brought the boat up. Wow, yeah. And uh, that was pretty interesting. We actually saw a freighter while we were going through that. That was trying to hold the the bow of the freighter into. There was a small freighter, but it was trying to hold the bow into the waves. And not very successfully. And when it got off, it was basically rolling gunnel to gunnel. Oh, man. I'm sure. I was, <laughs> Glad to be on the west sail, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's um, wild. Um, and and we didn't set the west sail up right for that storm. But because it was a west sail, we did just fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I learned a little bit about it. Cool, um, cool. That's awesome. And, and so if you ask my dad, he would tell you he's, he's going to run off from every storm uh-huh. if possible. I'm not sure I quite buy it. I, I want to figure out how to how to heave the boat to, mm-hmm. um, and and get it to set settled on in a heave to position. Because I think if it really got bad, that's what I'd want to do. What about and so I mean that's that's all this is all very exciting and I'm 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 psyched to uh to you know to be able to follow along. So you got um, Jay, uh, Jason's uh sailing adventures on on uh, on Facebook. Yeah, I'm I, you know. I toyed around with the idea of trying to do something that that you know w- would make money off of this, but but I think I've kind of come to the conclusion that I'm doing this for me. Yeah, and, uh, and so I'll share it. I'll probably set up a blog at some point before I leave, um, so I can put pictures there and and, uh, and so I'll do I'll do what's fun for me. Yeah, but, I think that I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, so who, you know, obviously James Baldwin was a big in, inspiration, um, but who, you know, who has inspired you uh, and what kind of drives you towards, uh, towards kind of doing these, these big sailing trips? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I've probably read every book out there, I think by this, by now. Um, but, you know, I, I was a big fan of the Lynn and Larry Parday um, books. Um, Bernard Motissier is certainly a, a hero. Um, you know, I, I was pretty interested in the the um, the the Golden Globe race that that I don't think's quite concluded. Might be now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Think. I know there's. I know was it is it. I don't know how to pronounce some of the names, but I think one guy yeah. just finished. I'm not sure if he was yeah. the last or not. Yeah, exactly. The guy with, with the guy with all the gooseneck barnacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and he was fifth place. Yeah, that's just. I mean, how many started? Was it twenty or sixteen? Uh, something like that. That's crazy. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say fifteen or sixteen started, and I think half of them were out by the time they got to South Africa or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was interesting <laughs> to watch. It was brutal, brutal to watch. You know, and, and at one point I thought I wanted to sail down there. And after that, I'm like, mm, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the, the, the coconut milk run sounds a lot better to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say those are, are, are kind of my, you know, the the cruisers that I look up to are the heroes or whatever you want to call it. Cool. Yeah. No. I, I, and I certainly identify. If, uh, 
I've got a, a bookshelf full of uh, the parties and Motissier and James Baldwin. So I, uh, I hear you. Cool, Jason. Well, um, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, it's been it's been really great speaking with you, and uh, and I wish you the uh, I wish you the best of luck. So, uh, is there anything you want to add? Oh, actually, you know what? Before before <laughs> I always ask, do you have any favorite sailing tunes? That's always my last question. Oh, I'm, you know, it's probably a cliche, but I'm, I am a big Jimmy Buffett fan. Have been for hell yeah, thirty years or something. <laughs> but um, but no, I don't think I have anything in particular. I like some of the sea shanties and things like that too. Cool. But nothing in particular. Cool. Very nice. Um, yeah. Thanks again. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time. Um, I wish you the, uh, the best of luck. And certainly if, if you ever find yourself in, uh, in the Deltaville or Mobjack Bay area and you need, you need a ride or something, give me a holler. Oh, it sounds good. You know, the one thing I forgot to tell you is that, um, the reason my dad wanted me to go sailing with, or one of the reasons was that I actually had more sailing experience than him and that's partly because when i was 10 years old i started going to sailing camp at mob jack bay oh at the was it uh where river yacht club um no it was at mob jack sailing camp mob which jack was sailing camp it was up the it was in green mansion cove if you know where oh that yeah is. Uh, on the north river i know exactly where it is yeah cool um, yeah so, so that's I, I did a lot of sailing as, as a young kid there um and even took a trip to the bahamas with them Oh, that's awesome. Um, for a couple of weeks, yeah. That's neat. What kind of boats uh, did, they, did they have? So they had some mob jacks. Okay. Um, which which I always thought were great boats. And then they, you know, the other boats they had were kind of, I don't even remember what they were, um, but they were just kind of small day sailors. Um, the mob jacks were the fun ones. They were the fast boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then they, and then they had a, I don't know, they called it the Explorers or something, but it was the group that went cruising, essentially, instead of staying at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a 42 foot skipjack that oh, had been cool. converted into a cruiser. And so I got to sail a skipjack, which was really neat. Yeah. Those boats are, I mean, I remember, I mean, if you look at the oyster dredges that they drag behind the boats, it's like the amount of horsepower they, they develop is just, it's gotta be insane because, you know, any other boat would be anchored permanently, you know, with one of those things and they're dragging two of them, you know? <laughs> right. We, uh, I don't think I was sailing the boat at this time, but but I was on the boat when uh, we were sailing somewhere, and all of a sudden, you know, I always had a captain on. He goes, "Man, we're going kind of slow," and so it's a centerboard boat. He mm-hmm. pulls the centerboard up, and like twelve t- crab pots <laughs> <laughs> come out the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that sounds that sounds about right. They're uh, they're pretty impressive boats. Yeah, yeah, it was neat. Um, and uh, and surprisingly shallow draft for yeah. Know. I mean, I guess they they I mean, like you said they have the centerboard. I don't think they have a lot of them. Don't have much of a keel, so they uh they require a little bit of attention. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, so anyhow, um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. But I did. I forgot you were down in the Mobjack area. And I, by the way, I've been listening to your podcast. And uh, oh, cool, nice. Very, very. You know, I love your the story of you guys. Uh, sailing down to the keys and back in, in the aerial. I thought that was great. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, we had, a, we had a great trip and, uh, it's been, this, the podcast has kind of been, been a way to, uh, to kind of just keep, keep, keep the, the dream alive a little bit and, and keep into it, you know? Right. Right. Any, any plans for, for any trips in the future? Not in the, nothing long term in the, in the immediate future. Um, I've been getting the boat kind of, uh, after we got back from our trip, I, uh, 
there's some been some deferred maintenance. Let's put it that way. So I've been been putting some work in trying to get get her ready to do uh, you know family outings on the bay. We have a we have a two year old little girl now. Um, so uh, so that's you know mostly just kind of cruising around the bay. But I would love I, I would love someday to get down to the Bahamas with with the family. I think that would be that'd be a really cool way to spend uh, spend a, a winter. Yeah, the Bahamas are great. Um, my dad and I went to, to the Abacos for, for a couple of months and, uh, and had a good time there. Yeah, um, no, I, I definitely feel like, uh, especially when, when our daughter's a little, just a little bit older, um, I think it'd be, I just think it'd be, what a cool experience for, you know, for everybody. I think it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll see. And, and the, the aerial's a little small for three. So, you know, I'd, I'd really like to do what my, kind of my, my bucket list thing would be like, to get a boat that's that's capable of offshore and do like Beaufort to Marsh Harbor, you know, in the next five, seven years, something like that. Right, right. Um, yeah, that'd be a good trip. Yeah, yeah. And it and it and the time it makes you know it, then you're not the you know the ICW is great, but it's you know especially with a six horsepower outboard, it's at least six weeks down to Florida. You know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I could imagine. So uh, with the West Sail, we, we we did a little bit of the ICW, but. Um, um, coming up, we never even tried because the Gulf Stream made made the trip up north easy. Yeah, but going yeah. down, we thought, oh, you know, we'll go th- through the uh, intercoastal, and we made it as far as essentially Oriental, mm-hmm. and uh, decided that no, this is going to take way too long to get to Florida, and so we we from Oriental went um, across the Sound to Ocracoke. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and went out the inlet at Ocracoke and and sailed down to, to Cape Canaveral. Cool, cool. That, that, that's awesome. I, lo- I mean, that that would be a cool trip too. I mean, there's there's a lot of cool trips to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, Jason. Well, again, I uh, I really do appreciate your time, and uh, and it's been yeah, it's been great talking to you. No problem. It's been great talking to you, Chris. There you have it, sailor. Jason Jernigan of the Alberg 30 Laura. You can follow his journey on Facebook at Jason's Sailing Adventures. And once again, many thanks to Jason for sharing his time and his thoughts. I always find it inspiring to hear about people who've managed to engineer their escape to sea, uh, particularly aboard small sailboats. So best of luck to Jason, and I will certainly be keeping tabs on his travels, uh, and hopefully I can catch up with him when he gets back uh, on the podcast. As always, thanks to you, the listener, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. That's it for this episode of The Bonnie Boat. Thanks for listening. I know time is my most scarce resource these days, so I appreciate you, uh, choosing to spend your time listening here. One of the reasons I decided to throw my hat into the podcast ring is to get in touch with other like-minded sailing maniacs. To that end, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thebonnieboat at gmail.com. You can find us online at thebonnieboat.wordpress.com. And remember, to be a sailor, you don't need a YouTube channel with 100,000 video subscribers. You don't need an Instagram account with pictures of beautiful people in their bathing suits. You certainly don't need a podcast. You don't even need a boat. You just need to go sailing. Until next time, this is Firefly standing by on Channel 16.